Have your sports curiosity cured. So it's Jake Wallman with the game on his stick. On to Smith. reporting game for over 25 years. Absolute unreal stuff in the desert for Nick Taylor. Another playoff win. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Can only feel the number of people out there being like, what's going on? First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. for Saul 111 February 13th another wicked day in the capital region minus four right now looking for a high of minus two so weather continues to be just flat out super hey thanks so much for tuning in to the Kevin Carey show on sports 1440 on your AM radio dial driving into work on the drive to work or if you're streaming on iHeartRadio the tune in app and on of course sports 1440.ca thanks so much for joining us and of course if you miss any part of the show you can catch up by searching the Kevin Carey show on Apple podcasts. You got the Spotify, you got the Google podcasts or even Amazon and, and be sure to subscribe, select that auto download. So you never miss a second of the show. So thanks again for being with us here on a Tuesday morning. You know, just listening to that intro, Duke, you think I'm um, the Tony Romo call again right now. So just the beginning before Jim Nance gets into it. That's the first thing I thought about. So he's kind of being a little late to the party for the play-by-play guy. Then he's interrupting the play-by-play guy. I mean, it's no wonder so many people are on him. But I I think in the heat of the moment, I wasn't really listening to Tony Romo. No. You know, on Sunday. But now that the last two days we've had it in the intro, you listen to it a little bit more, you go, Tony, come on, man. You're like classic Tony just, Romo. Just come on. Just let her buck, you know. Let... Let your play-by-play partner do his job. So, I yeah, I think I think that is truly the sign of a like. There's some great color commentators out there, but the best ones, their best attribute is knowing when, when to shut up. Yeah. So, and it's different. Radio and TV are so different, but in the sense of how that, again, we're looking at the second Super Bowl <laughs> that went to overtime, and there's that's going to be the call with kind of a bungled call. And Jim Nance has his jackpot ready. Yeah, he's got he's the got jackpot line, ready. He's got his line. And, and um, Tony's all Harlan's call on the radio was also epic. Yeah. Of course, uh, an all-time great. Uh, Maybe they can put that audio in over this Overlay one. that, yeah. But unfortunately for Jim Nance, uh, anyway. Uh, anyway, it's a game day for the Edmonton Oilers and the Detroit Red Wings are in town and the Wings are, you know, man, they are starting to play play well and they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They've moved into a tie with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the wild card position in the Eastern Conference. The Wings are 27-18-6 and six, and the Oilers 30-17-1. and one. So not a lot to choose between these two teams heading into tonight's tilt. This is a kind of a quick little uh, homestand for the Oilers. Just the one game on the road for three. 
back for this one, and then on the road for three more. Shoot us off a text, one 401 What do you think of tonight's game? What do you think where the Oilers are? Are they in a – does it feel, even though it's just a short little amount of time where they had, you know, two losses in three – on this road trip, does it feel like they're just in a, a minor little funk right now? The scoring is maybe down a hair in the last little while, even when they were on the 16-game winning streak. Where do you see this team right now? And, of course, we're just three weeks to the NHL trade deadline of March 8th. The Oilers had beaten Detroit once this year already. In Detroit, January 11th, it was a, a 3-2 victory over the Red Wings. And again, this is, we're getting into the real teeth of this schedule, 34 games in 66 days for the Oilers. Minnesota Wild do the Oilers a big, big favor last night. Big favor by beating Vegas 5-3. It was a pretty decent game last night uh, in, in Vegas. And to see, you know, Minnesota is a team now that is starting to just maybe find its legs a little bit uh, on a three-game winning streak, seven and three, pushing with Calgary for that last wild card spot. Minnesota now just five points back. Calgary's three points back after suffering a tough loss last night. Two-nothing in New York. Uh, Igor Shesterkin made 30 saves for the shutout for the Rangers, but, you know, Jacob Markstrom might have been the better goaltender last night against the Rangers, and so much talk swirling about with Jacob Markstrom and what the Calgary Flames are going to do. They've got, you know, Vladar, they've got Wall, they've got, they got guys that are maybe ready to step up. Do they really want to make this total whole, whole wholesale change in Calgary? Noah Hannafin, obviously, is on the block, and so is Chris Tanov, and, and if Jacob Markstrom is gone, man, that you're talking five guys, five of their key guys. If all three of those guys are moved, five massive players, including Zadorov and Lindholm that are gone. Uh, <laughs> that's a big, big change. So with that win last night by Minnesota, that hands the Knights the loss. So the Oilers remain seven points back of Vegas for second spot in the Pacific Division. So seven points back, the Oilers do have the five games in hand, and they're going to start using those games up as we uh, get moving tonight and then into the weekend. D pairings were back. We That was an in-or-out Duke, wasn't it, yesterday? An in-or-out right off the hop. An in-or-out question right off the hop. Should Chris Knobloch go back to the original D pairings from, well, I guess the success that they had during the run? And it looks as if that that will be the case with uh, Cody Cece back with Darnell Nurse, Vinny DeHarnay and Brett Kulak, and then Evan Bouchard with Matthias Ekholm. And the other difference from the practice yesterday was that Sam Gagne looks to be drawing in on the fourth line. Matthias Janmark will probably sit this one out tonight. It sends a message. It 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 serves notice. It puts players on notice. It could just as easily been Connor Brown getting the tap on this one. Could have just as easily been him. But it's Matthias Janmark. Both well, one goal between the two guys all season long. Need a little, just a little more, a little more from uh, whoever draws into that position. Sam Gagne, five goals in his limited time. I think twenty-two games. Five goals in twenty-two games for Gagne. He's he's everything the Oilers have asked of Sam Gagne, he's delivered. He has come out, and even remember when he when he first drew in that one week when he drew in, people were irate. 
Man, the text line was just venom, spewing venom. What is what are what are they doing putting Sam Gagne in the lineup? And he's been he's done everything they've asked for him when he's uh, drawn in. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty is the text line. CFL free agency is ten a.m. today. Now, with the communication window, uh, it. Does it feel like it's you're you're are you waiting on the edge of your seat? No, but I mean the Elks made several moves in the sense that you know they they made their moves even before you know getting McLeod Bethel Thompson. There was you know they picked up Curly Gittens for Jake Ceresna out of Toronto. Resigned to be honest, I think the Elks had the lowest amount of pending free agents going into the league. But they re-signed three guys, two on the offensive line in uh, Boyko and uh, Jack Cardilla and then uh, Kyron Moore and uh, Luches Purefoy. So, I mean, they made some signings from their guys that they originally uh, thought that they would be, you know, kind of continuing on in the pieces to the puzzle that Chris Jones wants to get things going with. Uh, Boris Beatty, again, so... Um, they will probably make some formal announcements on some players that were, I guess, uh, talked to during the communication window. So we'll keep an eye on CFL free agency at 10 o'clock. The biggest name still out there would be Matthew Betts out of BC. He was, you know, the, the Elks second pick in the draft a, a number of years ago. Had a, I mean, I like decent he was decent here but never turned any heads then he goes out to bc last year he's the defensive player of the year and rumblings that he's going to get a sniff with the detroit lions so how much does that come into uh bearing here as uh, they move forward and the other big news of the day well there's actually a couple morgan riley will morgan riley how many games will morgan riley be suspended duke is this the biggest Suspension going into what is happening for a suspension? What could possibly be for because it's going to be three days, and because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, is this the biggest talk of a possible suspension that we've heard about? In like, I'm trying to compare what would be happening for like, okay, when David Perron did what he did, no one was sitting around and going, "Holy moly!" Like, I mean, the amount of traffic and legs that this is getting is just insane. It's unreal. Yeah, there was a lot of talk around the David Perron suspension because of the nature of the incident. But I agree with you, Kevin. It wasn't quite the same in the entire world on notice. There's a lot of discourse of uh, around Perron and people saying, you know, saying, well, he didn't really do anything this bad, and it was he went after the wrong guy, whatever. But this rally one, it has really sparked a lot. And I think in Edmonton in particular, um, we are keeping closer tabs on it because there's a natural disdain for Toronto. And the amount of, <laughs> it's funny, everyone yep. hates how much media attention the Leafs get, yet everybody here has an opinion on whether or not, uh, or what's the length of suspension Morgan Rally should be facing. I mean, we talked about it all yesterday. We, we talked about it extensively yesterday, and know. for good reason. It's it's It was a, a big thing coming out of the weekend, and right? Uh, both the incident, the response, and, and then the follow-up since, and everybody from Austin Matthews to Ryan Reeves kind of defending their teammates. And I get um, that talk. I get, everyone gets it, it, right? it is what it is. Uh, I think the the six games, we, we talked about it yesterday, I think the six games is where it'll land. But I think it might even be less. Do you really? I do. I think it could just go down a hair. And we'll see. I mean, he's the one that wanted this in-person hearing. So 
if that's the case, maybe he can plead his case a little bit more. Uh, text coming in from Stair Farmer. Riley should get six to ten games for that headshot. I think that's what he's going to be there for is to, uh, you know, to state his case, obviously. Plead his case, right? And kind of you say, because, I mean, you watch a replay, and once again, we, we talked about it a lot yesterday, but the initial contact was with the shoulder. It it turned into the head, which is his responsibility to try and avoid <laughs> that contact. But um, it's the, the head contact was there after the whistle. I don't know how much more that plays into the the disciplinary action, but... Again, it's, it's not a uh, hockey play. Right? Back to the original. Like this is getting more play, more legs than it's, anything I can remember. As far as a, uh, you know, I, I remember way, way back in the day. You know, the Todd Bertuzzi and then oh, how, God, how that. Yeah. You know, the amount of and, and for good reason, for good reason. But like that, it's almost like this is getting as much play, especially obviously in Toronto. I mean, I think it was on. Basically, every Toronto sports show for every, <laughs> if you want to talk, TSN, Sportsnet, all the radio shows, that's all they talked about and, all and, day yesterday. And I will say this, after late last night, I sent a tweet about it. Like the, Every game that was on last night was a terrific yeah. hockey game. That Flames-Rangers game, if you weren't watching Both it, goalies. I feel sorry for you because the goalies were putting on clinics. Um, the, the Flames looked like a different team. Uh, in recent weeks here. And the Rangers, uh, another thing we'll, I think we'll get mm-hmm. to this uh, once we have Grant on and get to in or out today, but the Rangers, man, look out. Like th- This is a team with every single thing firing for them right now. They have, they have depth. They, they, they have they, a they lot have of depth. everything. They've got guys that are um, big. They've got guys that are fast. They have their, their three pairs of defensemen, like their three pairings are spread out. They have it all. Um, Truba's big, strong, tough. Scary, you're scared to play against them. Fox obviously has the gifted offensive ability, and then they've got the goaltending. So, and j- they've got the, the best backup in the league right now. So, uh, busy show coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. We'll uh, tee up tonight's Oilers and. Uh, Red Wings game with Will Birchfield. Just getting the piece of paper here. Will Birchfield from 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. He's been on before. Very well-spoken young reporter out of Detroit. So he'll guess with us right after the break. We go double-barrel shotguns with our hockey insiders. Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet and Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff at 8 o'clock and 8.20. Well, with Frank, we'll be talking about um, a little bit of the double IHF announcement to last night, this morning with Russia, Belarus out of 24, 25 world championship competitions, which leaves the door open for Russia a little bit for 2026 Olympics. Belarus is out of the Olympics. Not that it would have mattered anyway. Aaron Slachinsky, the 2024 Briar champion, the Boston pizza cup champion will be our guest at eight 40 grant fear. Our Co-host from 9 to 11, the former NHLer and Hockey Hall of Famer. And, yeah, we'll get his thoughts on goaltending. That game last night is the Duke attested to. And also the situation with the New Jersey Devils. And Matt Laughlin, Devils play-by-play man, will be with us at 9.20. Lots of talk with what the Devils might or should or have to do with their goaltending situation moving forward with the rest of the year. Uh, 10 o'clock, boy, looking forward to this. How about Jason Zubak, world long drive champion? And, I mean, this guy 
he he was the starter. He started the world long drive stuff. It was before him, but I mean, he ripped off consecutive world long drive championships in a row in the nineties. He was just just a monster. So, and get his thoughts on Nick Taylor. His thoughts on generating power so if you're a golfer and you want to kind of get a little more power and of course with grant fewer being a massive golfer there's a, a good dynamic there so that's all coming up on a busy busy tuesday when we come back will birchfield 91.7 the ticket in detroit and our st albert dodge game of the day that's coming up on the kevin carey show right after the break stay with us all right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the game of the day, brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. They have 165 Ram, 1500s, all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That is a savings of up to $14,000 as we welcome in Will Birchfield. 91.7 the ticket in Detroit. Back to the big program, Will. Once again, your theme song, your intro song. You got to love it. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. That, I'm flattered to have that intro. Thanks a lot for having me back on. Yeah, I remember the last time we were talking about it and you said, you know, I've done a couple radio shows and they play that song all the time and I'm wondering, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. hey, figured it out, yeah. So you get that around, around uh, you know, the circuit and around where you do a few of these hits every once in a while? Yeah, I mean, it's my theme song in, in downtown Detroit now. Wherever I go, I walk out <laughs> Woodward Avenue towards LCA, and they play that song on the loudspeakers. <laughs> oh, cool, cool stuff. So uh, our St. Albert Dodge game of the day, of course, are the Red Wings and the Oilers tonight at Rogers Place. And the Oilers come in with a record of 30-17-1. Detroit, 27-18-6, right behind, just uh, you know, a couple of points back in the standings. But... You know, there's always turning points in seasons, and I was kind of doing, uh, noticing a few of your social media posts on what's been happening in Detroit in the last, you know, week to ten to two weeks or something like that. Can you just tell our listeners what you feel some of the turning points have been here uh, for the Wings to get things rolling again here? Yeah, well, it's funny because Derek Malone brought one up himself after they beat the Canucks on Saturday, and in that game. They were looking for a spark late in the second. It was kind of a lifeless performance so far, and it seemed like they were trending towards a loss against the best team in the NHL. And then kind of out of nowhere, five foot eight Alex DeBrinket on kids' day at LCA drops the gloves with Ian Cole and, and kind of gives the team a spark. And they come back in the third, score twice, win it in OT. And it turns out way back on December 29th, when the, win, when, when the wings were in the throes of just a really bad month, it was to brink it again against the Predators that night who dropped the gloves with Roman Josie and sparked the wings to a comeback win. And after that game, Derek Lalone's young son texted him, that's going to be the turning point of your season. And Lalone kind of laughed it off as if to say, have you seen us play lately? <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. Well, since that first fight of the Brinkets against Josie back in December, the Wings are 11-3-2. Now, <laughs> we can't attribute all of it to, to Brinkett's uh, um, scraps. The Wings mostly have played much better defensively over the last month, and Alex Lyon might be the biggest reason why. This journeyman goaltender who all of a sudden is playing like one of the best goalies in the NHL, just another reminder that goaltending really is voodoo, and you, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get 
from really any guy besides those top proven guys in the league, like your Vasilevskis and Hellebucks and Jesterkins. Um, but the biggest difference for this team over the past month has been the, the defensive play on that side of the puck. And then Alex Lyon turning in a really, a number of really good performances. Let's go there next uh, with uh, Will Birchfield, 91.7, the ticket in, in Detroit. Alex Lyon with a 2.54 goals against average. What is it about his play that has, I guess, vaulted him into that uh, upper and next echelon with goaltenders uh, as far as success is happening in the NHL? Confidence for one, and confidence often comes from circumstance. He wasn't projected to be this team's number one or number two. He was signed as an insurance policy, the number three, who would play behind Huso and Reimer. Now, Huso was injured in December. He missed some time. Reimer was struggling, and the time was right for Lyon to step in. And he began playing well, and he built up some uh, a well of self-confidence. And he's playing pretty quietly. And usually when goalies do that, they're playing well. He doesn't seem to be overreaching on saves he's just letting the game come to him and 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 pucks seem to be hitting him right now and he's in a groove and the wings will ride him for as long as they can look they know that this is not going to last they don't expect first of all to be playing lion almost every game and second of all for him to be playing like one of the three or four best goalies in the league they they still expect and will turn to huso on this west coast swing and certainly down the stretch i still think their best team has Huso playing like the number one goalie he looked like in the first half of, say, last season. But look, when a goalie's hot, you ride him for as long as you can. I, I, Lalone hasn't said who will start tonight. I, I think he goes back to line just because he's delivered so many wins. But at some point, the wings will need, will need Billy Huso to step up and play like the goalie they expect him to be down the stretch. Will Birchfield, 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. Our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Patrick Kane returns uh, from injury uh, with the Red Wings. How would you assess how this whole fit has been with the Red Wings uh, with 20 games played uh, on the season for Patrick Kane? He's got 17 points. Uh, Your thoughts on how he's fit in here with the Wings? I think he's looked really good from the jump. I mean, even that first game against the Sharks, Back in December, I, I thought he was noticeable uh, almost every time he had the puck. You can see he still has a, a, some some jump in his step. Obviously, he'll always have the, the playmaking chops that he's become known for. But Patrick Kane told us that after that off-season procedure he had last summer, he expected to not only be back to, to where he was maybe a year or a year and a half ago, but even closer to where he was in his prime. Now, those days are obviously behind him, but he, he has made a difference for this team, a noticeable one, and, and he's, he's sparked their, their second power play at times, and this is a team that will need special teams to be a strength, both the PK and the power play, to stay inside the playoff race. Obviously, Kane makes a big difference on the power play, and the chemistry that he has and that he formed with the Brinkett from their Chicago days is real. Now, right now, he's not playing with the Brinkett. The Wings are going Larkin, Raymond to Brinkett. But when those two are on the ice together, power player five on five, you can tell they play off each other so cleanly, so seamlessly, and, and they've already combined for some big moments so far. So I think that gamble 
has been worth it so far for the Wings. And Patrick Kane is is living up to his word that he can recover the form that he showed towards the towards the end of his career with the Blackhawks. Will Birchfield, our guest on Sports 1440, you did mention the special teams for the Wings, uh, 12th-ranked power play, 11th-ranked PK. Have you noticed a lot of difference when Kane is out there on the power play, Will, as opposed to when he has not been out there on the power play? Well, I think the biggest difference you notice is that when the puck comes to Kane, the game seems to slow down for a minute. And even, even the opposing players are sort of on edge. He, he usually operates... Um, from from the circles, and when the puck finds him and he starts to think about where it's going to go and where he wants it to end up, the game does seem to slow down for him, and he's, he's often looking to thread that backdoor seam pass, um, whether it's Joe Valeno back there uh, or others. He, he's a, a threat anytime he gets the puck on his stick. So if you watch him tonight on the power play, and this is true of Kane over his entire career, when he has a chance to make a play, the game slows down for him. And for others, it, it, it might put them on edge. You know, lots of talk with the Morgan Riley situation. And it has a big bearing on Detroit because you guys, the Wings and, and the Maple Leafs are neck and neck. And you saw this firsthand, Will, in the sense of what happened with David Perron. So what's the feeling, I guess, from a perspective on a Detroit angle with what's going to happen to Morgan Riley today? Yeah, you know, I don't know how invested the Wings are or, or even the Wings fan base is in, in the outcome mm-hmm. for Morgan Rowley. I, I think the Wings, based on how some of the discipline has been handled in regards to Dylan Larkin, probably don't expect a whole lot. I mean, Dylan Larkin has been involved over the past couple of years in, in three or four incidents that at face value you thought would have resulted in suspensions and, and possibly multiple game suspensions. I mean, I think back to the incident with Jamie Benn when they took a cross-check to the neck, even the most recent one um, with, with the Senators in front of the net, and, and really nothing came out of that. So I, I don't know uh, how high of a standard that this fan base or even that organization holds the NHL Department of Player Safety to. I feel like they feel like they've been let down a few times. So I don't know what they expect to come of the Riley incident, but I don't think they'll be shocked if the discipline is less than than maybe some others think it might be. Will Birchfield, 91.7, the ticket in Detroit, is our guest on Sports 1440. With the trade deadline coming up here in March 8th, how much tinkering do you think general manager Steve Eiserman does with his hockey club, Will? It's a great question, and for the first time in seven years, I feel like the Wings, at the very least, won't be sellers. And, look, they still have to prove to Eisenman that this team is worth keeping together. As you mentioned, still some work to do ahead of March 8th. And if they slip, as they did last year ahead of the deadline, they do have a lot of attractive potential rentals, beginning with Patrick Kane, also Perron, also Oli Mata, a lot of guys who are proving Stanley Cup playoff contributors, Stanley Cup winners. And so if, if they stumble over the next month or, or even the, the week and a half or two weeks ahead of the deadline, Iserman, I don't think, will hesitate to sell. Look, this team is still in the middle of a, a rebuild, and the standings might indicate otherwise, but they're still trying to catch the wave of the prospects they have coming up 
and adding them to the core that's headlined by Larkin and Cider and Raymond and others on the way. And and so the burden of proof is on this team to stay in the mix and at least convince Iserman to stand pat. If they do end up being buyers, and this is from Lalone last week, you know, he said they, they'd be looking to add another versatile forward. They love what they've gotten so far out of guys like Kopp and, and Rasmussen and Kopp for guys who can kind of play the center or the wing. Kopp and Rasmussen along with Christian Fisher have formed one of their most consistent lines recently. They, they'd like to fortify that depth up front. Um, but if they do buy, I think there'll be marginal moves. They won't be sacrificing first, even second round picks. I don't think they won't be sacrificing or putting on the table their top prospects. But the burden of proof is on this team to stay in the mix to, to convince Eisenman to at least keep this team intact. Hey, Will, what do you think is going to happen with his contract negotiations with Mo Sider, who comes up next year? We've seen even earlier on, like, I mean, not even waiting till the ELC is up, GMs sign younger defensemen, younger players to long-term contracts. We've seen it before. It hasn't happened yet with Sider. What do you think shakes down there? Yeah, I think this summer both he and Raymond get long-term extensions. Yeah, obviously a, a bridge deal for either one would still be in play, but I think by the end of that bridge deal, the Wings will only cost themselves more money. I think both those guys, Raymond especially, are on a clear upward trajectory this season. And look, the cost of locking up, a number one defenseman like Sider is only going to increase as his production does the same. I think that Eisenman looks to get Sider locked up on, on an eight-year deal this summer, and, and it's probably going to come in eight and a half, nine, and, and potentially more if he really ups his offensive game down the stretch and potentially into the playoffs. And for Raymond, maybe a bridge deal is a more realistic for both sides. But again, these are the guys that comprise the core that Eisenman wants to build around. So I think it would behoove him and behoove the players to, to come to a long-term agreement this summer. Will Birchfield, 91.7, the ticket in Detroit's our guest as we are previewing our St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day, Red Wings and Oilers tonight at Rogers Place. Last year, Will, in Edmonton, Clean Coston had a sensational year. He was a fan favorite. He did it all. He got in, he scrapped, he scored, he was a big body. Why hasn't he been able to, I guess, gain any traction in Detroit this year? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the fan base was really excited to see what Costin would add to the lineup. This is a team that self-admittedly lacked some toughness and snarl last year. And Costin comes in early on, and he's throwing haymakers and dropping the gloves. And, and the, the, the team, and I, I think the fan base was ready to rally around him. He was injured here and there. And I think the biggest impediment for him has just been the depth that the Red Wings have up front that they haven't had in my seven years covering this team. I mean, put it this way, the Wings last year only had seven players who scored 10-plus goals, which was the fewest in the NHL. This year they already have 10, which is the most in the NHL, and they've really relied on that depth of scoring to propel them into the spot they are now. And I think Costin at at some points has just – kind of been left out by the math of only having spots for 12 forwards and the Wings feeling like they probably have more than that that are deserving of being in the lineup. So, look, one way or another, Costin is going to have an impact on the season. I think as the ice shrinks 
and the games get meaner down the stretch and, again, maybe into the playoffs, he's a guy that will make himself known. I also think that he and Christian Fisher at times have played a similar role and, and with – like I said, the way that Fisher has slid into that third-line role with Kopp and Rasmussen, maybe there's some redundancy between he and Costin that has left Costin on the inside or on the outside looking in. Um, but I, I do think he'll make himself felt. But this is a harder lineup to crack this year than it has been in a long time. How big was that overtime win on Saturday against Vancouver, and how much play did the uh, Jake Wallman gritty get? <laughs> it got signed. And that was the first time that he was able to break it out at home. He's had a couple winners on the road where he's rocked the gritty, but first time at home. And he said it was cool afterwards because he's actually about to launch an initiative that's going to benefit the Boys and Girls Club here in Detroit that features, uh, that has a tire that features the, the silhouette of Wallman doing the gritty and all the proceeds will benefit the Boys and Girls Club. So it was good timing in that regard. Also good timing in the respect of this team is about to go on what Wallman himself called a season-defining road trip. Now, maybe it's a little early to say that here in February, but they hit the road for five games against some of the best teams in the league out west, and mm-hmm. they do so with some wind in their sails because that was their first game in 10 days. They had the all-star break rolled into the, the bye week, so they, they needed – to kind of feel themselves, regain the momentum that they had entering the break. And they did that in a big way. Again, it felt like a game they would lose when they squandered seven straight minutes of power play time and then promptly allowed an out-of-the-box goal to ex-Red Wing Philip Peronic. They're down 3-1 in the third. But, again, depth of scoring, strong scores to make it 3-2 on a great pass from Kane. They get the tying goal from Rasmussen in that third line. And then Wallman... Look, he's, he's, he's a big game player. I don't know if a lot of people know his name yet around the league, but he's a guy who's playing big-time minutes in the top pair with Sider, and he's sixth mm-hmm. in the NHL among defensemen in goals this year with 11, yeah. tied with Josie and Drew Dowdy. And anytime as a defenseman you're in the same sentence as those guys, you're obviously doing some things right. Well, it is a tough trip for the Wings. Tonight in Edmonton, Thursday in Vancouver, Saturday in Calgary, and then holiday Monday, uh, an afternoon start in Seattle. So uh, maybe Wallman is right. This is a a four-game road trip that is maybe season-defining for Detroit. Really want to thank you for your time, Will. Uh, And you know what? Just keep that song going, Detroit Rock City, man. Gotta love it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, hey, all I need now is for them to play it during my Fear League hockey games on Wednesday night when I take the ice. Then we'd really be talking. We'll try Well, it should be your goal song. Why not? Your goal song. (laughs) Well, I got got to score a couple goals. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, to get the goal song incorporated, you have to score. Yeah, exactly right. Are you a forward defenseman? What do you play? I'm a forward, uh, and then our, our our squad's on a bit of a heater here, so I got to knock on wood. But we're coming up in the playoffs and hoping that uh, we can, we can snag our first beer league championship in our in our four year <laughs> existence. Hey, just one quick one, Will. I think I saw something about you were talking about outdoor rinks in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, what, what's yeah, all well, behind so that? There used to be around Detroit. There there was twelve or thirteen of them, and. When Detroit fell on hard times, there just wasn't enough money to maintain them. And all but one of them were shut down and eventually bulldozed. But the one that still stands in Clark Park, which is actually in the middle of Mexican town of all places in Detroit, holds an annual outdoor tournament every winter, which will be kicking off here in about two weeks' time. But, um, look, nothing better than 
than playing hockey outdoors yeah. in the elements with the snow coming down under the gleam of the Ambassador Bridge, which leads to Canada. So um, one, one of the great gems of, of downtown Detroit, and, and we're, we're proud that, that, that it's still in operation to this day. Well, that's cool stuff. And hopefully, as you said, Detroit with some hard times, hopefully the city's rebounding. You know, everyone's humming along with the, the Lions. And if the Wings can get going yeah. here, who knows? Tigers as well. I mean, it's a great sports town and all the teams are going. So uh, thanks for doing Yeah, do- no doubt. No yeah. doubt. And I, I think I think the NHL is a better league when, when the team oh. in hockey town is playing well. So yeah. um, I, I think everyone is, is, is kind of getting behind the Wings playoff push. Yeah, you better believe it. Hey, Will, thanks for your time uh, and enjoy watching the game tonight. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That's Will Birchfield, 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. And our game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. That industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating is tops in the league. Head up to St. Albert Dodge. Check out stalbertdodge.com. When we come back, we'll have a little open text time. I see the king of Fort Nasty's giving you the gears, Duke. I don't know if that's a arable text but take oh yeah okay. yeah I, I think that one crawls it crawls in uh, bob's <laughs> okay. got some texts so yeah, bob is going bananas <laughs> yeah so uh we'll get to some of your texts when we come back on the kevin carey show on sports 1440 stay with us all right the 740 break can only mean one thing the duke can be a I can't remember what was yesterday's. Uh, uh, I was just about to say, you didn't even notice yesterday that something was uh, happening. I we, we didn't play BA. Okay, the there you go. Because that's when Eddie popped on, so I gave Eddie his uh, his oh, stones. Oh, it's making sense now. And then I remember I, the song. And then I played it at, uh, I can't remember if it was 820. I do. I, I remember that 740 because, you know, we, we did have normally 740 we leave open, right? Correct. And uh, but just to bring Eddie on, I knew he had to get rolling and humming along for his uh, big work day. Busy guy. Yeah. I <laughs> last week, last Friday. And, I, you know, it's a little different in here with uh, uh, Donovan, the intern, because he's working the laters. Don- Donovan has shifted. Yeah. Uh, we want to give him the full fledged experience <laughs> over the course of his, uh, you know, roughly three and a half months with us here at the station <laughs> during his practicum. So he spent the first month and a bit yeah. uh, with us here on the morning program, got his taste, uh, got his licks in, getting up at the crack of dawn. And now he's uh, shifted. He's going to work on some uh, digital stuff with Declan, who, of course, is producer for The Lowdown, uh, and then the digital producer for The Jason Greger Show. So he's kind of getting getting a little of a different flavor now for the next little bit. So Eddie comes in here at, uh, you know... 10 to 7 or whatever. He comes in quarter to 7. And Donovan goes, hey, hey, man, what's up with the tie? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, dude, like, you know, some of us work, you yeah, know, like, is, you know. This is just uh, my pre-work day, yeah. basically. No, I come in, I'm wearing a tie in for the two-hour radio hit here, radio Donovan. Show. You know, man, that's funny. And just Donovan, the way he was saying it. Text coming in, one 1440 Scott says, was the cross-check any worse than that two-handed slash in the playoffs by an important player? Center of the universe makes it three games max, probably two. I think he's going to get more than than two or three. I, I could set it at four to five. I think it could be less than six. It wouldn't surprise me. No one knows what the, the DOP does anymore. It's it's a guess. It yeah. is it is a dice roll, a guess no pretty knows. much every time. Okay, Bob, I know you're listening. So Bob sent off 10 texts in about five seconds here, all different ones. Uh, I'll just get to the one here because uh, we said about Matthew Betts getting a, a, maybe just a, a futures window, they call it. That was Farhan Lalji from TSN reporting that on the weekend uh, with Detroit. And Bob goes, Betts won't make the NFL. That's all that Bob said. 
Bob goes, bets won't make the NFL. All right, Bob, without, here's one for you, Bob. No going on the interweb. And you got to send this back in a text within 10 seconds to, to know that I, because I know you're going to check our, our big trivia competition. He was the defensive player of the year in BC this last year. Okay, Bob, this isn't that hard. Who was the last BC Lions player to win defensive player of the year? You got 15 seconds, Bob. Do you know it, Duke? Uh, I it's don't kind think of a so. trick question. I don't think I know. Yeah. Kind of a trickier question. Bob, you got 10 seconds. He's not coming through. Yeah. We got someone else with a guess. Cam Wake, Elks fan, comes in with Cam Wake. No. Yeah, Brendan even goes, the guy that played for the Dolphins, D lineman, Cam Wake. That was Cameron Wake. Oh, okay. He went to Miami after. Oh, I I did not know that. Oh, yeah. He was, man, he was a beast. I think he's just a little bit before. Have to check the exact years. Do uh, you want to get to the King of Fort Nasty text? Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll wait for... Uh... <laughs> okay, th- see, these guesses coming in, those are going to be my guesses. Solomon Aluminium? Yeah. Okay. A lot of people have trouble saying his last name. I, I, I always, I literally yeah. always just remembered it because I was this like, goes, it's yeah. literally just aluminum <laughs> yeah well it's technically <laughs> the, not yeah exactly it's not if you look at it if you have it in your head and don't look at it it's easier to say yeah yeah <laughs> uh chomsker's willie plus nope. daryl come on we can't even see that rest in peace uh kevlar says solomon too solomon jdo blah 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 cam wake a lot of cam wakes coming in brent johnson i don't believe so Larry Cameron, don't believe, and nothing from Bob. Bob's just searching the well, internet. Well, Bob probably tuned out because we had to wait ten minutes ah, to get to his Bob. text because we had Will on. Well, pay attention, Bob. There's a quiz later. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm kind well, of. Well, just... I'm looking to do some fact checking. Oh, okay, on my own you better. Uh, well, I'll read the. I'll read the text from uh, the King of Fort Nasty for you, Duke. Uh, good morning, KK and Duke. This Morgan Riley situation is almost as controversial as the time the Duke, <laughs> as the time the Duke left the nuts on his 4-H steer until a week before final weigh-in. Cheers, King of Fort Nasty. And Duke replies, "Gotta win the rate of gain." <laughs> Collins with the ding, 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 ding. I believe that's the correct answer. Uh, I'm, if I think, yeah, Kate. Is it? It is not. What? I was right. Who? Solomon. Solomon? Solomon won uh, most outstanding defensive player in 2016, Adam Big Hill in oh, 2015. see, I was off by one. There we and go. And I didn't even look on and the internet. Big, Big Hill won between um, Aluminium winning it twice uh, in 16 and 14. So Big Hill was so 14. B- BC won it three years in a row. Three years in a row. So I, but at least I didn't go on the internet and do a big search. I was just going off the top of my head. And Good of course, guess. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the um, Cameron Wake uh, won it in 07 and 08. He was a good player. And then the other guess we had, uh, someone just came with Brent Johnson. He won it in 2006. Another three straight years with two different players for the Lions. They had some guys, like, I mean, when you're rifling off that many defensive players <laughs> of the year. St- it's a tough defense. Oh, yeah, against. rock solid. Well, I apologize, so I'm wrong, but at least I threw it. I had my guess out there before going on the interweb. Correct. Yeah. Bob El Caminion, yeah. Oh yes, Bob. Way to work now. <laughs> okay, Bob, you had your fifteen seconds there, big gang. Um, still to come on the Kevin Carey show. We'll uh, 
Hit up Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet on the mark uh, for Booster Juice and then Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff, our headliner of the day at 8.20. And then at 8.40, Aaron Slachinski. So we've got a busy 8 o'clock hour. Before that, time now for a sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience, our hot towel shaves, and I'm going to be going in for one Duke at the end of the week. Uh, awesome haircuts and treatments were designed for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.